Well, what's up, Everlast? How are we doing tonight? Amen. Hey, man, can we give God glory for just, uh, yeah, for, for Wesley and, and Israel and, and Sarah and Jeremy leading us in worship? Amen. Come on, give God a better clap offering than that. Come on, y'all. Amen. Amen. Who's excited about getting in God's word tonight? Amen. Well, tonight we continue our series, Wise Words, where we have been walking through different Proverbs. The, uh, the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon, who was the king of Israel, and he was son to David. God gifted Solomon with the most wisdom any man had ever experienced. Uh, the theme and goal of the book of Proverbs is shared actually in the first chapter, specifically verses 1 through 7. It says uh, its goal is to instill wisdom in God's people, a wisdom that is rooted in the fear of the Lord, and a wisdom that walks out covenant life with God in the practical details of everyday situations and relationships. Proverbs, like all scripture, uh, is ultimately breathed out and written by God. Uh, Proverbs is an uh, instructional and helpful book to grow our all of God via practical encouragements and exhortations. Now I wish uh, everlast that I, uh, I, I wish that I could say that I always live inside the wisdom boundaries of, of God's word, but there are times where I foolishly think uh, that, I, that I'm smarter than God. Uh, the, that right there, this right, it, that's another reason why Proverbs exist. It, uh, it graciously shows us just how much we don't know. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Y'all, the book of Proverbs is seriously such an amazing portion of Scripture that God has already shown us uh, so much here at Everlast these past couple weeks. Our first week, we talked about Proverbs 5 and the warnings against sexual immorality. Uh, we, said that, you know, we, were, we said that sex is an awesome gift created by God for the worship of God and for our good in God within the confines of, of marriage uh, between a man and a woman. Uh, our second week, last week, uh, we were in Proverbs 12. Um, and my wife Tina did a phenomenal job of unpacking biblical correction. We've all been corrected in some form or fashion, um, or we ourselves have corrected someone else. Uh, Tina talked through last week what it looks like to healthily both receive and give correction. Uh, for the purpose of what it's intended for, for God's glory, our good, and our sanctification, that is to be made more like Christ. If you didn't get a chance to hear these sermons, they're on our podcast. You can just search Everlast uh, Young Adults on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, but now tonight, uh, it, it's, 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 this is our third week, and we're talking about an issue uh, that needs a tissue. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks for the laugh. Actually, I would honestly say this doesn't need a tissue. Let me rephrase. This issue probably takes the tissue and just shreds it all up. Why? Because of anger. Tonight we're going to be talking about anger. Uh, obviously anger has way more to do uh, with it than shredding a tissue, but we're going to be exploring tonight what God has to say about this issue. And Everlast, hear me when I say this. God has a lot to say when it comes to anger. Anger is one of the main issues we face as humans, but yet can be the very issue we quickly, uh, quickly dismiss and don't actually face at all. We are quick to dismiss anger, excuse anger, uh, rationalize anger, 
and overall minimize anger, which honestly, at the end of the day, just leads us to more anger. <laughs> when it comes to anger, we're going to be working through several different verses in, in the book of Proverbs, but our core verse is found in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18. So you can just turn to Proverbs. It's the book right after Psalms. Go to the middle of your Bible. Go to the right one book. It's right there. Go to Proverbs. But we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 15, uh, verse 18. I think this particular verse is on the screen for you, so I'm going to read it. It says this, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Tonight we're going to be answering two main questions ever last. Two main questions. What should we be angry at? And how should we be angry? Before we dive in, can we pray again? Would y'all please pray with me? Father in heaven, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for every person here, Lord. Whether they've been looking forward to Everlast all day or couldn't, you know, couldn't wait to get here or just were randomly invited by a friend. Regardless, God, none of it is random to you, Lord. You have clearly brought us all here together tonight. And God, I'm asking for your help. Would you open our minds tonight that we would understand what it is you are thinking about? And I also pray that you would open our hearts, that we could feel what you care about. I pray that we could be changed, truly changed, transformed as a result of these few minutes together tonight. God, help us. Help us to listen well, be attentive, receptive to what you have for us. Speak to us. Help us surrender all of our thoughts and affections to you. And I just encourage you to pray this. Pray for your own heart tonight. Would you just ask God, would you speak to me tonight? And next, I'd encourage you to pray that same prayer for the person on your left and right. Pray for them. Let's pray for each other. Those around you say, God, would you speak to them tonight? And now I would just kindly ask that you please pray for me. That God would use me to make things clear and helpful for you. Well, Lord, we love you. Please speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. 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 Well, I was walking to my truck in a parking garage in downtown Fort Worth, Texas, when a very highly intoxicated dude drove by me in a very, a brand new, very nice Camaro with his windows rolled down. I interrupt this story with something that I really need y'all to know tonight. I have never, nor will I ever, have the desire to wear skinny jeans. Ever. You could count on it. Bet. I don't just not want to wear them. I actually can't. You see, I have what they call thunder thighs. Uh, I, I can't. My wardrobe has always consisted of, ever since I can remember, T-shirts, jeans, and Converse. Maybe a hat, especially after I went bald. Why share this info with you? Well, the highly intoxicated dude that slowly drove past me in this parking garage in his very nice Camaro with his windows rolled down proceeded to yell out in a very mockingly obnoxious manner, 
nice skinny jeans. First, let me just say that at this particular particular moment in my life, I was actually I was working I was working three different jobs trying to make ends meet, and in this particular night, I was walking back to my truck after a church staff Christmas party. Um, I had actually I had my work clothes on from another job that I drove straight to the party from. Uh, uh, this other job I drove straight from the church. Uh, Straight, the, the other job I drove from, uh, it, was a, it was a warehouse job. I, I wore steel-toed boots, uh, jeans, and like I, it, was, it was winter, you know, it's Christmas time, and I had this like flannel coat on. Uh, and so I, I worked in a cold warehouse all day. I remember, <laughs> I remember walking with my hands in my pockets, and I looked down, and at first I was like, what? Like, nice skinny jeans? Who? Of all things to yell at a guy walking by himself, like, I was, I'm not wearing skinny, I'm not, I know, I knew I wasn't wearing skinny jeans, what, why, why, what, and what made the scene even worse, y'all, was, uh, there was a girl in the passenger seat of his Camaro, his girlfriend or whatever, and after he yelled that, y'all, they just like, just started laughing. Nice skinny jeans. <laughs> it, it, it was like it was like they were like, <laughs> we're in a brand new Camaro and and you're not, you know, and <laughs> you don't even know style, man, walking by yourself. <laughs> probably probably that's why you're walking by yourself, skinny jeans, man, who actually doesn't can't fit into skinny jeans. <laughs> Did I mention we're in a nice Camaro? <laughs> it was just like so. Like, it was a move. It was straight up like random from a movie scene. Like, what's funny is, if I were to profile this, this dude, he, he would be the one with skinny jeans. He probably had, dude, homeboy had probably had 50 pair of them. I don't know. And it was all so random. Y'all, I was in shock by myself. It was like 1130 at night, you know, and I was in the park garage. And I, I didn't say or do anything. I, you know, you can imagine. Camaro drives by. Nice skinny jeans. <laughs> and they drive by, and I'm just like, thanks. You know, like, what? Random. If you could just put yourself in my shoes in that. I didn't say or do anything. That is, until about two minutes later. Now, I was parked near the top of the garage, and, and in order to exit the garage, I had to actually drive to the top in order to, you know, to start looping my way down. By the way, I thought y'all would laugh more at a random guy yelling, nice skinny jeans. I ended up laughing, but in this moment, I didn't laugh. Yeah, I, you know, went to the, drove to the top in order to go uh, make my way down. Once I got to the top, there sits this dude in his Camaro and his girlfriend seemingly waiting for me. Uh, I had no, ch- uh, <laughs> sorry, let me rephrase. I had a choice to keep on driving or not. Unfortunately, I didn't. I pulled up next to him, rolled my window down. He then, pre- he then proceeded to yell out all these Oh man, homeboy was making up new cuss words. Just so many, so many profanities. Along with at the end of all of these profanities, he 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 proceeded to tell me that he knows kung fu. Verbatim. That's what he said. I know kung fu. Um, you see what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, a lot of different things, but anger makes you say and do the most foolish and stupidest of things. Can I get a witness? Anger has the propensity to take your emotions and actions from zero to 60 in a matter of seconds. 
In this moment, I wish I could tell you that I just simply thought, man, he's an angry elf. And I just, you know, drove away. Uh, I wish that I could tell you that in feeling anger boil up in me, that I exercised self-control and patience and prayed and gave my anger to God. Um, nope, that's not what happened. After he told me he knew Kung Fu, my foolish response was, well, why don't you step outside and show me your Kung Fu? I got out of my truck full of rage, not thinking at all, came around the bed of my truck and, and he peeled off, went opposite direction. Y'all, this story could have ended way, I mean, way different, way different. But praise God for his grace and his mercy. Was it okay to be angry with this dude? Sure. Was I angry with his comment towards my pants? No, that was weird. I, I just, whatever. But as a whole, he was putting himself, his girlfriend, and everyone around him by, uh, in danger by being intoxicated and stirring up contention and conflict. Everlast, let me make this clear. I did not respond correctly or in a godly way. The right and godly thing would have been to stop, call the authorities, report it, pray, and move on. But I did not do that, nor would I ever advise what I did to anyone. Just because you have the means to fight someone physically doesn't mean you should. Why share this story? Well, I think that anger has many, everlasting, many subcategories and situations. Remember, at this point in my life, I was a believer. I was walking from my church staff Christmas party. Like, isn't that crazy? I was a worship leader, you know? But, y'all, listen, being a Christian doesn't mean that your anger is magically taken away. Being a Christian doesn't control the situations that we face, but being a Christian helps us know how to control how we respond to those situations. In this moment, I did not keep my anger at bay with the grace, hope, and love of Jesus. I let it fester, in the, in, literally in those matter of minutes, and grow to where eventually anger had a grip on me rather than when I should have had a grip on it. You see, there's always a choice. There's always a choice. Here's the thing. I don't believe, y'all, that we live, um, or let me say this. Let me verbalize it this way. I don't believe that we just live in big moments in our lives. What do you mean? Well, honestly, think about it. We only make a few grand decisions in our entire lives, right? I mean, you go to school, you graduate high school, and you kind of make decisions where to go to college, and where you're going to work, and you, then you get married, and then kids, and, I mean, right? I mean, obviously, let's say the important thing, like the most important, you come to know the Lord, right? Let me Sorry, that's one of the main, these few grand decisions in your life, right? Three or four grand decisions in your life. Most of us, y'all, most of us won't have, won't have a biography uh, written about us. After we die, most of our personal history will die with us, forgotten. What we do live in, though, is little moments. The content of our character is not set in three to five big moments, but rather 10,000 little moments of life. The same most definitely, y'all, applies to anger. Nine times out of ten, anger starts small and shows itself in countless different little situations. And if not handled correctly, ends up big. Anger isn't, <laughs> anger isn't just, just when in one moment you're cool and collected and then in the other you sinfully want to deck someone. No. 
Again, with too many examples to give, anger has many subcategories and often starts with just a thought and leads us to unhealthily becoming angry. There is such a thing as healthy anger that God not only permits but actually encourages. More on that later. You know, Christian counselors report that 50% of people who come in for counseling have problems uh, dealing with anger. The reality is that you and I live in a world with those people, (laughs) right? Uh, But really, not to use the phrase nine times out of ten again, but guess what? Nine times out of ten, it is people who are at the epicenter of our anger. If you think about it, you and I have never, listen to this, you and I have never had a relationship in our lives that hasn't disappointed us in some way, right? Why is this so universally true? It is true because we all carry something very destructive into each of our relationships in all the people we interact with. That is not only destructive to them, but destructive to ourselves. It is something that produces unhealthy, unbiblical instincts in all of us. It is something that can make us impatient, uh, self-serving, irritable, proud, critical, Demanding, and yep, that's right, angry. This destructive thing is sin. Which leads to our first question tonight. What should we be angry at? What should we be angry at? End of the day, sin is the true culprit here. And is the very thing with which we should be angry at. Sin propels us from healthy anger to unhealthy anger. Again, more on this later. I'm going to share on that a little bit more later. The DNA of sin, y'all what I would say is selfishness. The DNA of sin is selfishness. Sin causes us to be far too self-focused and self-absorbed. Y'all listen. Sin reduces the field of our quote-unquote normal concern down to our wants, our needs, and our feelings. Sin makes us all too um, entitled uh, and all too demanding. It causes us to be quicker to cast out judgment than to extend mercy. It makes us unwilling to overlook minor offenses. It makes us, some of y'all need to hear this. Sin makes us hold on to what we should have long since forgiven and let go. Sin makes us self-righteously defensive instead of ready to confess. It makes us focus on other people's faults rather than our own. Again, sin makes us impatient, self-serving, irritable, proud, critical, demanding, and unhealthily angry. Simply put, y'all can write this down if you're taking notes, the mess of anger is the mess of sin. The mess of anger is the mess of sin. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold which implies the devil thrives in anger. Here's some examples of how anger can be sinful. Sinful anger, listen to this. It's not on the screen, so if you're taking notes, I'll kind of read it a slow, you know, so you can write it down. Sinful anger refuses to be pacified or calmed. Sinful anger holds a grudge. Sinful anger keeps it all inside. It refuses to listen 
That's a big one, y'all. Sinful anger refuses to listen. It holds resentment. It lives in bitterness. Sinful anger relies on one's feelings rather than their faith. Sinful anger doesn't hope for the best, but just, just expects the worst. It lacks self-control. Sinful anger is impatient. And one I think y'all should definitely write down is this. Sinful anger doesn't respond, but it reacts. James 1, 19-20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Take note of this. I love the book of James. So practical and helpful. He says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Love that. Let me get this straight, though. Anger in and of itself, Everlast, is not a sin. Anger in and of itself is not a sin. Anger is a natural human emotion that God created to be felt and shared appropriately. R.C. Sproul puts it simple when he said, anger is not in and of itself, not, uh, I'm sorry, anger is not in itself sinful, but it may be the occasion for sin. The issue of self-control is the question of how we deal with anger. Violence, tantrums, bitterness, resentment, hostility, and even withdrawn silence are all sinful responses to anger. Let that sit for a sec. Again, Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give uh, the devil a foothold. Here's what's interesting about anger, though. It's very interesting, as I was just thinking. Anger can be wrong. Anger can be right. Anger can be very easily misunderstood. Anger can be very, very easily understood. Uh, it can be loud. It can be quiet. It can be verbal. It can be physical. Anger can be unhealthy. Anger can be healthy. Another way of putting healthy anger is this righteous anger. Righteous anger. Healthy anger is righteous anger, which leads to our second question tonight. How should we be angry? How should we be angry? Our, health, our healthy or rather righteous anger should always stem from what God says is right. The word of God shows us directly just how we are to be angry. Listen to this. Righteous, I'm going to kind of go through this list now. Righteous anger gets angry about the right things. Righteous anger doesn't have a short fuse, but a long one. It isn't ready, shoot, aim, but rather ready, aim, shoot. <laughs> Meaning righteous anger has self-control. Righteous anger doesn't react, but it responds. Righteous anger is patient. Righteous anger does not stir up conflict or cause quarrels. It is not long-lived, and it does not lead to evil or grudges or unforgiveness. End of the day, I think this is on the screen if you're taking notes. Righteous anger is anger directed at evil, things that God opposes, and sin itself. Righteous anger is anger directed at evil, things that God opposes, and sin itself. We find in the life of Jesus, I love this, a powerful example of righteous anger. Matthew 21, 12 through 13. 
It says this, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and, and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it into a den of robbers. Jesus' anger toward the sinfulness of those in the temple courts is evident in this passage, right? Very, very clear. Can't, can't deny it. He, he had every right to be angry at how they were grossly, y'all. They were messed up, misusing the house of the Lord. That's big time. Jesus never sinned or did anything wrong, right, in his life. Therefore, we know that his anger in this narrative is righteous, healthy, healthy anger. And y'all, I was just thinking, you know, the, you know those tables weren't like these sissy tables from Ikea. You know, they made out of faux wood. Just, you know, Jesus straight up flipped these things. He was healthily angry in the right way. In the Old Testament, King Saul got very angry. 1 Samuel 11, verse 6 says, When Saul heard these, their words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he burned with anger. In this instance, y'all, Saul was angry when the Spirit of God came upon him. Saul was moved to anger by the injustice and sin that was happening to the Israelites in this biblical story. His anger was not sinful. So what does this all mean? Well, when we feel angry, it does not automatically mean that we're sinning. We see in these two examples not only what uh, to healthily be angry at, but also how to be angry. By the way, notice in these two examples, y'all, Neither of these examples of anger involved self-defense, but a defense of others. Or defense of a principle. That being said, it is also important to recognize that anger at an injustice inflicted against oneself is appropriate too. I heard it once said that anger is, is, a, is a warning flag that the Holy Spirit uses to alert us. He alerts us to those times when, when others are attempting to or have violated our boundaries um, or someone we know or to what is just and right as a whole. All of this, y'all, is especially, is especially important when considering the anger that victims often feel. Victims of abuse, um, violent crime, or the like, have been violated in some way, and often, while experiencing the trauma, they do not initially experience anger, but then later in working through the, tom the trauma, anger will emerge. For a victim to reach a place of, um, of true health and forgiveness, he or she must first accept the trauma for what it was and is. In order to fully accept that an act was unjust, one must sometimes experience anger. Does this mean it's a sin? No. Appropriately feeling it. Because, because of the complexities of trauma recovery, the anger is often not short-lived, but particularly for victims of abuse. Y'all, listen, there's no timetable to healing. There's no timetable to healing. Such victims should process through their anger and come to a place of acceptance, even forgiveness, by the grace of God. Y'all, God gives us his word. He gives us his spirit and his church to help. This is often a long journey 
but a journey that God is ready to walk with us and help us in. That is if we're willing to let him. Y'all listen. Can y'all listen to me real quick, man? (laughs) It is not lost on me. Most definitely not lost on God. That there are people in the room tonight who have been hurt and hurt badly by someone else. Or you yourself are the one who have hurt someone. Wherever you're at, everlast, listen, sinful anger, <laughs> sinful anger isn't just knocking on the door. That, that, that temptation is rather re- leaning on the doorbell. So to answer our current question, how should we be angry another way? I'd answer this. I'd answer it this way. Take this. If you're taking notes, it's not on the screen. But take this. Make room for God's wrath. Make room for God's wrath. This is especially important in cases of injustice when evil men or women abuse innocent people. Y'all... Y'all, seriously, we watch all these Marvel movies, but I mean, seriously, listen, God is the true Avenger, for real. Says it in his word. Romans 12, 19 says this, it's on the screen. Y'all look at this, I love this. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's our God. That's our God. Basically, what this verse tells us is to not play God. (laughs) God is righteous. God is just. And we can trust him, the one who knows all and sees all, to act justly. Some of y'all really need to hear that tonight. I tell you what, I'll answer our current question, how should we be angry one more way? And that is hope. Hope. You see, hope, 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 y'all, it's not a situation. Hope is not a location. Hope is not a feeling. Y'all know that. Hope isn't even a relationship. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus. He died that you can live and know life. Real life. He is present with you, Everlast, so that you are guaranteed to have everything you need. He forgives you of all your sins and empowers you to do much better. He never leaves you. He never turns his back on you. He never mocks your weaknesses. He doesn't say nice skinny jeans. (laughs) check this out he will never throw your unhealthy anger in your face he never gets tired of you he's genuinely interested in you he doesn't give up on his relationship with you he doesn't ask you to earn what you can never deserve and he never makes you feel guilty for needing uh, his good gifts his love is unconditional And his grace is never temporary. He always responds to you in tender compassion and righteous justice. Jesus is your hope. 
as we live in a world where hope, honestly, y'all, is precious and it's a rare commodity. (laughs) If you've been wronged or you yourself have wronged someone and sinful anger has been the result, I again say hope in Jesus. Psalm 103, 8 says, The Lord, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This is the God we hope in. Right there. In closing, let me share with you some very uh, practical application points so that when you leave here, y'all, I just would really hope that you are better equipped to handle yourself in moments where sinful anger arises. One way we combat sinful anger is actually something we mentioned here and there tonight, but it hasn't necessarily gotten any spotlight thus far. <laughs> what is it, you ask, Kev? Well, upon studying it for this sermon, it seems to me that the antonym, not synonym, the antonym of anger is patience. Again, not the synonym, the antonym, meaning it's the opposite of anger. So how do we combat sinful anger? Well, with patience. Going back to our original verse, it's, uh, our original verse tonight, Proverbs 15, 18, we see that a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Psalm 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Another translation says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 14.29, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has hasty temper exalts folly. I love what Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9 says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Like we read a few moments ago, Psalm 103, it is Jesus himself who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Y'all show me a man or a woman who is patient, and I'll show you someone who who doesn't let anger control them. Another practical way uh, to combat sinful anger sounds typical and cliche, but nope, it isn't. Y'all, prayer is essential when it comes to anger. Remember, our life isn't made up of three or four or five grand moments, but 10,000 little moments. I can tell you, I'm sorry, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a little disagreement with my wife or someone I work with or whoever, and then I start to feel, you know, ears get hot. Heart rate starts to go. And I feel that disagreement lead to an actual argument. Now, in that, in that moment, in that moment, do I tell the person that the argument is about to in, happen with to shut up so I can just go back in my prayer closet and light a little candle and, and pray for an hour to God? No, no. Y'all, listen, there's those literal, like, millisecond prayers that I, I, I'm just practically telling you, I personally just, in that moment, lift up to God in the heat of an argument. Those little millisecond prayers, just God help. Or, Or better yet, even, check this out, even before I even go into the conversation, I've said it here And I'm going to say it again, Everlast, we have to start not just being reactive in our prayers, but proactive in our prayers. It's important. In the heat of the moment, and as a whole, I'm I'm praying and asking God to, in that moment, literally, in the moment, I'm multitasking. God, would you increase my love for this person? 
I'm asking God in that moment for his peace to, to calm my heart. I'm asking for specific wisdom and specific grace to know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, or to shut up myself and not say anything at all. It sounds cliche. Y'all, no. Y'all, this is essential. And it's crazy in those moments. Man, may the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us to pray. Prayer is essential. Y'all, it's in these moments while the devil is trying to flood our brains with bad, the Holy Spirit is stronger, <laughs> amen, and floods our brains and hearts with more good. That is more of Jesus. Billy Graham said this, hot heads and cold hearts never solved anything. And he's exactly right. Something else that is super practical in combating sinful anger, honestly, is this, obedience. As example, there has been, uh, you know, there's a, there are appropriate times under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to literally walk away and come back later. There's been many moments in my marriage to my lovely bride, Tina, where this has taken place. But y'all, listen close. This is important. Its purpose in that is not to lord over the person your anger and to make them feel it more. No, its purpose is to, 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 to step away for a brief moment and to get realigned with God's heart so that you can come back, like we shared earlier, cool, calm, collected by the grace of Jesus. Proverbs 29, 11 says this. I love it. Listen to this. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Here's the thing about sinful anger, y'all. It has a lot of bad friends. Y'all know that you know y'all know that idiom uh, misery loves company. Have I heard that right? Basically, meaning people who are unhappy, they like to share and kick the tires with each other and talk about their troubles with others. Well, I would say the same goes with sinful anger. Sinful anger thrives in gossip and slander. It loves to vent to others, which actually just only adds fuel to the fire, and that can manifest itself in a, in a small way. And the Holy Spirit will help, bless you, the Holy Spirit will help you understand in those moments. Like, are you putting on like a false humility? Like, again, minimizing and rationalizing your anger to, quote unquote, just share. You know, I'm not gossiping, but, right? It's like when people say, hey, no offense, but when they're actually probably about to say something that offends me. It's important in those moments. That, that, so so let, me, let me ask you this when, when it comes to that. Um. Are you going first to Jesus? Think about that. That's a, big, that's a big important question, period. That'll preach until you're 85 years old. Huh. Until you're long and gone. Are you first going to Jesus? Then secondly, addressing it with the person who wronged you or you wronged. Then thirdly, uh, sorry, then thirdly, seeking biblical wisdom and advice from the right people who will point you to the Lord in his ways of patience, grace, and love. Now, this is the way God designed it in our response to anger. Straight up, can I just say this? Some of y'all need better friends. You do. And it's important to not just recognize that, but to feel it, know it, and make a change. That sounds harsh, but let's just go to the Word of God. Let's go to the Word of God. No, I mean, it may sound harsh, but it isn't. It's got, y'all, I care. We care. Proverbs 22, 24 through 25, check it out. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. We need better friends. Friends that point us to Jesus. Is that, is that you? Are you that good friend? 
Something else we can practically do to combat sinful anger is not to let culture dictate how we respond to things. I'm going to end with this. Y'all, we are quickly... um, we, we are quickly willing to let culture set the thermostat of our emotions and how we handle ourselves rather than that of the powerful, holy, inerrant word of God. I love what Francis Chan has to say about anger. I think it's on the screen for you. He said, we are a culture that relies on technology over community. A society in which spoken and written words are cheap, easy to come by, and excessive. Our culture says anything goes. Fear of God is almost unheard of. We are slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. Everlast, the good news, though, <laughs> is we have an advocate to help us in all of this. We have a God who, instead of anger, meets us with patience, grace, and love. Therefore, would we all truly strive to be, both individually and collectively, a young, a young adult ministry that exudes healthy anger in the 10,000 little moments that we live through. May we, uh, oh, may we look to the one, Jesus, that has the abounding steadfast love toward us. May, may we reflect that love in us and through us when anger arises. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.